the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I will be your host for today's nonprofit MBA podcast, as I have been for close to 300 episodes. Uh, it's a beautiful day outside. It's a fall day right now. And, uh, you know, whoever said that November isn't a beautiful full month is crazy. It really is nice out there. And I am, for those of you who don't know me, I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. And Financing Solutions is the number one leading provider in the United States of lines of credit to small nonprofits. Believe it or not, there's a company for the last 12 years that just specializes in that. And uh, it's a great product. It's very, very, very popular. Uh, it's five-star rated. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your nonprofit, please visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, it's nonprofitmbapodcast.com. We have a raise. Uh, I mean, we have a sponsor. Our sponsor is Arrays Fast Fund Online. It's accounting software specifically made for small to medium-sized nonprofits. It's, it's so much better than QuickBooks. Um, I really have always believed in vertical, really, really good software that's made for an industry, and Arrays is exactly that. Um, so if you're interested in lurking, looking for inexpensive software that's made for specifically for you, please go to A-R-A-I-Z-E.com, Arrays.com, or give Joe a call at 866 840 7449. Today, I am extremely excited to be speaking with Julie Pham from Curiosity Based. And uh, Julie uh, is a PhD and is the founder and CEO of Curiosity Based, an organizational development firm based in Seattle. She is the author of the number one Amazon new release and bestseller, Seven Forms of Respect, A Guide to Transforming Your Communication and Relationships at Work. Dr. Pham has been recognized with numerous awards for her community leadership. She was also a nonprofit executive for six years and has served on numerous nonprofit board of directors and government commissions. Julie, welcome to today's Nonprofit MBA podcast. Stephen, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Great. And, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, the, what we're going to be talking about, and, you know, this is probably going to be one of the uh, podcasts that's going to be listened to the, you know, the most out of all the ones we've done, because it's, I hear it so often, uh, um, reducing burnout, the seven forms of respect for nonprofit leaders and teams. Julie, what kind of got you interested in this subject to begin? Well, you know, before we get to that, Let's talk about first what this topic is going to cover in, re in regards to um, just a summary of the seven forms of respect. Mm -hmm. So the seven forms of respect is um, it's a guide to helping people understand that we can agree on what respect feels like, feeling seen, heard, acknowledged, appreciated. Yet what we disagree about is what does it look like? What does it look like? Does it look like I'm going to CC you on emails or not? <laughs> does it look like that uh, I'm going to give you unsolicited feedback or not? And so, so the seven forms of respect is, is about the fact that respect is dynamic, it's relative, it's subjective, and it's contradictory. 
And yet the way we talk about respect is we talk about it as if it's fixed and universal. So Stephen, one of the things I just want to, I like to compare it to, it's more like five love languages and not like seven habits of highly effective people. So it's not about getting all seven. It's about understanding that respect looks different to different people. And how do we talk about it? You know, uh, there's an old adage that I never liked. And that is uh, treat people the way that you want people to treat yourself, treat you, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I never liked that. I always thought you should treat people the way that they want to be treated. Is that a fair an, uh, analysis of really what you know the, the the a form of respect should be in communication Stephen I'm so glad that you brought that up because when I was doing my research a lot of people and I'd ask people how do you want to be treated and they said with respect and I said what does respect look like and they brought up the golden rule which is what you just said treat people the way that you would like to be treated now the problem with the golden rule is what if people don't want to be treated the way you want to be treated So the second one you described is treat people the way they want to be treated, right? And so that's actually what they call the platinum rule. Now, there's a problem with the platinum rule too, because what if you don't want to treat them the way they want to be treated? So let's say they love to get lots of of praise and you feel that you think that's superficial. Oh, I hate telling people that they're amazing and awesome unless it's truly exceptional work. And so actually, I have what I call the rubber band rule. And so you can see this rubber band here. <laughs> so with the rubber band rule, what it shows is we're actually, as humans, we're pretty flexible. So Stephen, I know that you like this. And even though I'm ambivalent, I'll stretch for you. Right. And so in groups, we will also, maybe there are some team norms that we don't really like to do ourselves, but we'll stretch for the team because we want to show that we're respectful. You know what happens over time? You stretch and you stretch and you stretch. You know what I mean? It do? breaks. We snap like a rubber Mm. band. And so with the rubber band rule, it's about knowing what are our internal breaking points? What's going to make me snap? And that's different for everyone because some people are these big, loose rubber bands and like, whatever, I'm all good. And other people are tight little rubber bands. They've they've got their boundaries and um, and you can easily snap them. And it's more about understanding what are, what's going to make me snap. And so that going back to the burnout a lot of times people get burnt out because they are stretching all the time. And I think this happens particularly in the nonprofit sector because we try to be so accommodating. And so here we are and we're stretching for our clients because we think, oh, they, you know, the, the, who, the clients of our nonprofits, they, they need us and we're stretching for, for, for our coworkers. And yet what ends up happening is we can, we can really easily snap unless we, and so that's why I think it's so important to articulate, huh, how do I want to be respected? Why is that? And, and how do I share that with other people? You know, my dad was a purchasing agent. um, And he also played in his own band for 40 years. And, you know, I'll I'll just use this as an example. I mean, he, he's passed, um, he he lived to be 91, but he passed a eight years ago. Um, I don't even know if burnout was common back then. (laughs) And, and I mean, let's take a step back here for a second. Why is burnout such a big deal? I mean, it's all true. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not. Why? You know, I guess what made me think of it was the rubber band, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That you just, that you just illustrated. 
Why are people burning out so much now? So people are burning out because they, I think a lot of times they feel they can't say no, right? And, and they can't say no. Maybe it's because they want to be helpful. Maybe it's because of just their economic situation right now, especially as we are in a, as, um, as we're in this economic decline, there's fear of losing our jobs. There could also, there's fear of letting other people down. Um, there's fear of being seen as not, as not being a team player. And so we keep pushing ourselves more and more and more until we do, until we do get burnt out. So I think that if the question is, Hey, back then they didn't have it. I think back then there was, there's more clear boundaries and also technology has changed that too, right? Because we can work all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, when your dad was having his career, he was just, I'm sure there was just, oh, yeah. yeah, you can only, sure. you can only have access to these tools while you are in the office. Sure. Whereas now we have our phones and oh, so yeah. we're constantly expected to be on. And I think that's another thing of just, um, and the leaders will model that. Right. So I think that, uh, a lot of, if you see executive directors who are just working all the time, even though they say, no, take rest for yourself. And yet what are they sending what messages are they sending to everyone else if they're answering and sending emails on weekends? Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff is, um, listen, I, I'm 58, so I'll be 59 soon. But um, So I went through that phase where you moved from my dad's way of working, which was, you know, set hours to, you know, the, let's just say my kid's generation, which is, um, you know, working at any time. Right. Um, so, and I, I made that transition pretty well. It wasn't a big deal for me, but um, I still had boundaries, but I, as the owner of my company, I didn't have to deal with emails that needed to be responded at 11 o'clock at night. So, um, so I, I, I don't think it's fair for me to be, you know, to kind of judge, you know, people who've gone through the burnout uh, phases. Now the, but I get where communication is such a big part, understanding how to communicate, because I think the reality, you're not going to push back and, and really address all the issues that affect burnout, right? Um, what you can do is really understand how people want to be treated. Or, and that's not the right word, but, but communication is a part of treat, being treated, right? Mm -hmm. so, so really understanding your people really, really well is really what we're talking about here. Is that correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's about making the space for them to actually reflect and understand what their needs are so they can also articulate that too. Because oftentimes in an organization, I think respect lives in layers in an organization. Yes, you need, you need a drink. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Well, uh, respect lives in layers within an organization. So I like to use the analogy of language here. And so if you think about uh, a nonprofit and then at the, and then at the top level, there's the executive director, right? And then, um, and then within that, there's all of these different departments. There could be the, the philanthropy uh, donor relations department. There could be the finance department. There could be the, the, um, the client services, whatever, if it's like a food bank or whatever, right? So there's all of those different departments and then there's the individual. And so at the top level, the executive director, what they set, what they set as the norm of what is considered respectful, that's the national language, 
So you can go to any part in the organization, you'll feel that. If you're in all teams, all hands meetings, you'll feel that. And then each of those different departments, they also have their own team leads and they have their own nature of the work. And so I call whatever they set as their expectations on their teams, that's the regional dialect. And then there's me, the individual. And I have my own preferences as well too. And so and individuals who do best in any organization, they're the ones who can be multilingual, right? And yet, and yet this, it is really, I think a, a big communication problem because we use the word respect as if we mean the same thing. So Steve and I could say, I need you to respect me. And you could say, Julie, I am respecting you. We go back and forth and we talk, we want respectful, we want res- people to be respect one another. And yet we don't talk about what are the behaviors that are associated with how we, about what we consider to be respect here and not for not to have judgment around it, to actually think about it in terms of, um, we are going to, for example, if you work at a food bank, you need to, or a blood bank, <laughs> You need to get you need to get that the um, the blood the food out to the the community right that there's a time urgency there that's different from an arts organization right the time urgency is not going to be as important so punctuality might not be as important for an arts organization than it is for like a blood bank where lives are at stake right and so um, but to and my point here is for people to articulate the why. Because otherwise, the, it's the like, why we need for to do the this. why for what the, the why, why for, for the why for why we are prioritizing this form of respect. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah. The why well, and because because right. oftentimes what people do is like we need to do it. Why? Because it's respectful. Why? Because that's important. No, and yet we don't talk about no because yeah. this will happen. These are the consequences. Because yeah. it's not. I always tell people don't try to get all seven forms. Some of them actually even conflict with one another at times, and it's about getting clear so that then. People in the organization, you know, I, I often I'll pull um, when I go into teams, I'll pull people. Hey, what causes misalignment around understanding respect here? And top ones tend to be generational differences, cultural differences, departmental differences and lack of clarity from leadership. Lack of clarity from leadership, because we just say respect, but we don't talk about specifically what does that mean? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, those other ones that you mentioned take some time because they're more, you have to, you have to ask questions. You have to understand they're individual based. I think, you know, certainly having clear communication is something that can be implemented quicker, you know, um, while you're working on the other ones. Is that fair to say? I think that, I think that, no matter what, we have to go slow to go fast. Which well, I agree that, with that. Yeah, but, right. Which yeah. Means, yeah. And so in there, it's just uh, people, even leadership has to model, hey, we need some time for for self-reflection. And all of this, the seven forms of respect is actually, I think of all of this as um, a tool to spark curiosity, to practice curiosity. And I think of the curiosity as a practice that has three elements. The first is self is self-awareness. The second is relationship building. And the third is clear communication. And that first one, that self-awareness is really hard. Stephen, did you know most people, there's a Harvard study that shows most people uh, think that they are self-aware, yet only 10 to 15% of them actually fit the criteria. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, but that, I, I would have, that's what I would have, yeah, I would have guessed that. And and yet part of that is just actually making time. It's not like, oh, they're dense people. It's just like, because we are in this fast paced world where we actually don't allow 
for that time to ask, how do I want to be respected and why? Because if I don't know that for myself, how can I expect other people to know that? And yet that's what happens. We just expect other people to know because we think that they want what we want. And we actually need to make time to to first understand what do what do I want? Oh, and if I want something in particular, then maybe they do too. Yeah, I mean, I'll use this as an example, and it's a it's I think it relates, but it's not about a nonprofit. Okay. It, so I lost my wife unexpectedly two years ago. And um I had a great marriage, I was married for 26 years. And um, we, my wife and I had so many friends. So we were very social. We had tons of friends. And it's been just a total amazing experience to me um, how people do not ask how I'm doing. And even a group of business owners that I've been friends with 25 years when this when she passed, they all asked me, and we were in a meeting, how can we help you? And, and I said, um, ask me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know how many of them did that? Like one. Afterwards? Uh, yeah. Oh. On a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And... And so now, and let me, I belong to a group of people who all lost their spouses. We all say that. Ask me how I'm doing. And we all complain that nobody does. And so there are some, you know, universal things I think that do, um, what, what am I trying to say out of here? I think there are some universal things that people go through that you can assume that you do want to be treated like. Um, and, um, uh, but the other thing on the flip side, if someone were to say to me in a work environment, how do you want to be treated? This is a little different topic. How do you want to be, how would you like me to communicate with you? I'd say is, Oh, don't tell me how um, how good a job I'm doing. Just tell me what I need to do, right? But the fact of the matter is it's not true. <laughs> you have to pump me up a little yeah. bit because I put myself down too much. So even I don't know uh, the right way to communicate with me at times. So, I mean, it's a flip of a coin on these two areas, you know. Um, so, you know, I – you know, I, so what, what, do you have any comment on those situations? So first of all, Stephen, I just want to say, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. So, I wow. That. It yeah. sounds like you really had an amazing marriage. Wow. I did. I did. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that this really speaks to how respect is dynamic. It really speaks to how respect is dynamic. And so we think of respect as, as having these three dimensions, the seven forms. The first is hierarchy. The second is give versus get. And the third is what matters to you. And so that first is it recognizes there's power dynamics at play, right? The way that we show respect or expect respect from someone who is who has more power versus equal power, less power. And even if you have your own business, customers have more power than us, <laughs> And our oh, vendors yeah, have less power, yeah, yeah. right? Yep. And then Great. the second one, the second 
uh, dimension is give versus get. The way I like to give respect could be different from the way that I like to get respect. And um, and so so and then the third one is what matters to you. And this is a really hard one. It really speaks to what you just pointed out around acknowledgement. What matters to you versus what should matter to you? Mm. Because we've all been socialized to expect to do certain behaviors, to expect certain behaviors. And yet we don't really ask ourselves what actually matters to me. And that is self-awareness. And that is hard because even, you know, for acknowledgement, it took me quite a while for me to acknowledge and to admit that acknowledgement was important to me because it feels cringy. (laughs) It feels cringy. And yet there I am. And I think a a way to test is, do I feel discomfort in my body? Do I feel anxiety when I don't get the thing, right? Because I'm like, did you get my card? Did you get my gift? I want to know, you know, did you, I want to know that you got it. Or I want to know like, hey, did I do a good job? I want to hear that. (laughs) Are there certain universal truths though, which are, is that you, that across the board, that it's okay to compliment somebody on a job well done. So I really think that this is very individual and it kind of really gets at how that person is going to, and it can take a while for that person to, to understand what is important to me. Right. Because, and that's because we all have these different experiences, right? So, so someone could think, oh, no, this is really superficial because of these experiences I've had where I got all these compliments and yet they didn't do these other things for me. So it felt superficial. And that's why they're having that reaction to it. I think what's important here is to then try to understand why do I feel that way? So I can then share the story because people will remember stories. Yes. Then they will remember. Because if you just say, hey, I want you to thank me. Then I'm like, okay, but if you tell me why, then here, let me give you another story. Punctuality is actually really important to me. And that's because growing up, my mom was always late picking me up from school. And so I felt a lot of anxiety waiting for her and the school staff had to wait. Now, and I carry that with me as an adult. Someone else, Stephen, can have that exact same experience and be like, what's the big deal? My mom was late, not a big deal. So we can have the same experience and different reactions. And yet when I share that story with you, you can imagine five-year-old Julie waiting. (laughs) <laughs> and you can understand I'm not just being rigid, right? Sure. I literally feel anxiety. Yeah, it really so changes. I think that is something that when um, when we work with teams and even just individuals to help them ask those themselves those questions of like, why does this matter to me? How do I share that story? If, this is why I don't like it when my name is mispronounced because of this. And if you can share that, it actually feels – it's it's way different than like, it's disrespectful when you do that. I don't like it when you do that. But if you can explain why it's important, that's what people will um, connect with. And, and we can connect with each other when we do that. And when someone shares, if I share my story, it could spark in other people's stories too. Like, oh, I had a similar or different experience or it's making me remember something else. Yeah, look, look. Let's bring this back home a little bit as to why we're doing this. And that is, you know, we're looking to reduce burnout. We're looking to reduce turnover, which Mm -hmm. causes lots of problems through an organization. You know, there's there's a good indicator in most organizations. And that is if you have more than 5% turnover, then you are, then you're not, your organization is not doing the right things. and, And also, by the way, the large majority of people who leave organizations do not leave for money. 
okay, they leave because of the culture or uh, how they're being treated. So, so the reverse is true too. If you treat people really, really well, if you communicate with them the way that they would like to be communicated with, if you create a good work environment, you will reduce turnover. And it's your ace in your hall, really. What were we going to say, Julie? Yeah, so I'd actually make a slight modification to that, which is when you said, if you treat people the way that they want to be treated, they'll stay. I think that actually, sometimes we can't, sometimes we can't treat people exactly the way that they want because it's going to come in conflict with others, right? Yes. And so I like to, what I like to say is just because you didn't get what you want doesn't mean you weren't hurt. Just because you didn't get what you want doesn't mean you weren't hurt. What we can do and what, what we try to do with the seven forms of respect is to give people this framework so that they can have these conversations around, okay, that's what respect looks like to you. This is what it looks like to some other people. And this is what we need to do these are the forms of respect we have to prioritize to serve our, to do our work, to serve our clients. So are you willing to suspend what you personally like so that we can do this work that we agreed to do together? Mm, I get it. You yeah. know, and so that we can, and that that's different from what executive director likes, right? Because sometimes when we don't talk about it, it can feel like, oh, this is just something that the boss likes, but not, Ooh. but it, it feels yeah. personal versus like, no, it's actually part of our shared work. So is it is it okay as an organization to to say this is the communication? I, I don't like this word, communication style that we live by. You know, is it you know? I mean, you come up with a culture, you identify your culture, you identify your purpose, your mission, your goals, your measurements. Is it okay to add communication as an important? element of all those elements? Well, we, I like to think about it in terms of what are the, what is this organization's top forms of respect? What are you going to prioritize? Yes. Let's say like just three, right? And because mm -hmm. that gets away from like trying to get to all seven. Yeah, and yeah, then we yeah. have create stories around why each of those are important. And then that way, that way we can say, oh, even though I don't personally like that, like for me, for example, information yes. is something that we prioritize at Curiosity Base. It is not one of my personal ones. Information is giving open access to data and things like, you know, I, and I don't personally like that. And yet because of the stage of the company, because of the, the team and I have talked about the importance of having information and we have our stories around that. Right. And and so that's what I think organizations need to do is to choose, hey, these are the ones that we, these are the ones that we prioritize as an organization. And you know what? It can change for, and then when we're on the exec team, we do this. And when we're in the philanthropy yeah. team, we do this, right? And then, oh, Stephen, you like this. And I, you know, it's just, it's like just the two of us. I know you like that. So I can, I can flex. And that's the thing, like that respect is dynamic, and so, and there's also going to be times where there's seasonality, right? Like the holidays is typically a big time for nonprofits. Okay. You know, those things around consideration, that's not going to be as important right now. <laughs> we have to like prioritize this. And then to be able to feel that we can, hey, we're flexing because of this. And I think that's the thing that's missing. People tend to focus on the what, and they don't follow that with the why. What are the, what are some, if like you said, information is one of your uh, communication cultures for your organization. Do you, do you have two other ones or no? Yeah. 
So um, we we also have candor and we have procedure. So the seven okay. forms, let me just really quickly say them. We Please. have this uh, acronym called PICA, P-P-I-C-C-A-A, and it stands for Procedure, Punctuality, Information, uh, Candor, Consideration, Acknowledgement, and Attention. And so for us, because we're a small team of, of uh, five people, we need to really be able to share, hey, this we, we use Slack. We, t- we put all of these conversations on the, the open channel. We used to do direct messages a lot. It's like, no, we actually need to put this on. We need to share what's happening and make that open to everyone. So that's, um, that's uh, information. Um, and we do that because we're in different time zones. We're in different locations. We just need to have information flow easily so that no one is a bottleneck. Before, I was the bottleneck. <laughs> so um, candor is another one. And that is about giving... Uh, asking deep probing questions, giving feedback, uh, giving constructive feedback with idea to improve because we're constantly experimenting and trying to improve. And so we will, we have expectations of, hey, when we end something, we talk about what went well, what didn't go well, um, what should we change for next time? And we need to give all of those different feedback. And like, and that people see, even though I'm the CEO, people give me feedback public and we do it publicly. That's another part of our culture. Although you don't have to, if you if you prioritize candor, you don't have to do it publicly. That's um, and then uh, and then procedure is it's about following these um, uh, following certain rules, established rules, um, and uh, instructions. And the idea is that each person knows their knows their has their expertise area, and we trust that person to tell us like this is what we need to do. And then, and, um, and so, and we will do it in that way. And so those are, those are the ones that we have prioritized. Um, because we've, because we've also messed up when we didn't do that. <laughs> Cause it was like, oh, we kind of like did it on our own and like, oh, but I spent all this time like putting together instructions for you. Why did you follow? Oh, you're like, you're right. And then this is what happened when I didn't. So that's another thing, trying to have these stories around when it didn't go, why is it important? Because we actually, we've experienced when, um, when it didn't go well because, because of that. So yeah, I think it's important for organizations to think about what are the forms of respect we need to prioritize um, and why. And they can be different from what the leader likes. Yeah, you know, I can... I was going to say this in the end, but I, one of the things I had gone to a long time ago, I'd gone to this conference and I had heard um, one of the business owners got up and said that one of the things that he does really well with or what he does is he takes um, every month, he'll take one of his employees out to lunch. And, and he said, because he does that, he, what he also de- does too is ha- he has a one-on-one conversation with them back at the office too about what their life goals are. And, you know, this is a good 15 years ago. So, you know, I did that. I thought it was really good. I thought, um, you know, get, help me to get to know my people better. Um, and I'll spend time with them and, uh, you know, I'll learn what makes them happy and tick and what they're struggling with. And it was great. It was really, uh, and and the reason why uh, I'm raising that is that I think um, I was able to communicate 
better with people because I understood them better when I did that type of thing. Um, so I'm, you know, the reason why I'm raising this as a point is that, you know, what you're going over is, is I wouldn't say theoretical. It's not, it's, it's very detailed. It it's, you know, you're going from A to Z and people just want to get the B first. And so I'd like you to break it down to us as some, some simple things that you can, that people can do to get started. Um, what would you suggest? So my favorite icebreaker to start this conversation is to make time for people to answer who and what in your life influence how you think about respect. Huh. Talk about those personal stories and they can also be positive and negative models, right? And so like I had a positive reaction. I had a negative reaction to this. I learned how not to be, how not to respect someone. Um, this is why I have the expectation. And then, and when you're having those conversations, that's when the sparking of the stories will happen, right? Because it's not just, um, uh, I'm, I'm learning about myself as I learn about you and as I share about myself, right? And because you're reacting to me. And so that's one. The other thing is um, after you have that, another is for people to talk about what are examples of respect and disrespect here at this organization. And what you can see is, whoa, some things that people think are respectful, others think are disrespectful. And um, and so, and then to be able to to look at that and go, huh, well, that means that people are experiencing different things. Different people are experiencing different things in this organization. So let's talk about that. And then let's talk about um, what are the forms of respect that we think are being exercised right now? And what are examples of that? And then what do we think we should be doing? And maybe some, some of the things we, maybe the, some of the forms we already have, and maybe some forms we actually have to work at. And then here's this last one is just that none of them are easy. Respect is not easy. And that's the thing I think we talk about, like, just be respectful, just do it. It actually, all of this, all of these behaviors take work. Even giving candor takes work, right? Giving information takes work. And to appreciate that and to, um, and to think about how do we then hold each other accountable when we're not, when we're not um, prioritizing the forms of respect that we had agreed to. Does that help yeah. get it away from theory? It does. And I think, I think the thing, like, I think people who are listening could say, you know, I got a million things going on and, um, and, you know, this sounds complicated and I don't think it is. I think if you make little steps, I, I, I tell you, so I don't run a big organization anymore. Um, but if I, if, if I did, I would add this to making sure it's one of our top priorities. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that, and it takes sometimes nonprofits a while to really do the hard work of making sure they understand their mission and their culture, communicating it, um, uh, you know, even doing a business plan, you know, those type of things, you know, it's really important. And I would certainly add our communication method or communication. Uh, I can't think it's not, I wouldn't think of the word method, but how we communicate in our organization, just at the top at, at a, at a enterprise level, 
right? And then, of course, I would, you know, I think the easy, you know, one of the things you could do is start paying attention to, you know, people and, and like I said, you know, get to know them better. And I love the question, you know, your question that you came up, I think it was really good, um, which was uh, who, what was the question? Who in your life uh, and what experiences have influenced how you think about Yes. Now, the only thing I would do with that, because I would give it to people in advance Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I would say in a week when we sit down for our one-on-ones, I'd like to hear your answer for that. Mm -hmm. You know, because when you said it, uh, I really had to put some thought into it and, you know, I'm not going to do that in five minutes, you know, or less. So I really, you know, and I think it is that, I think that is a great place to start. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think a good place to start is making sure you're having one-on-ones with your employees, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of companies that aren't doing it. This is the other thing that I, I, I know to be true. If you were to be really good at what Julie's talking about, you know, the communication part of your company, right? I'm going to tell you right now, 95% of the other nonprofits, the other companies are not doing a good job at this. And you're going to differentiate your company. You're going to reduce your turnover because of that. And let's not, let's put it really into the real thing of what we're trying to do here, right? All of us. Are we trying to reduce turnover? What we're trying to do is have a place that we're really proud of working at. That's the difference. So that when you walk away, um, you leave for the day or you go on vacation or whatever, you maybe move on to something else. Uh, you can say, you know, wow, I, we built a really good organization that really respected people. We communicated well. And this communication project that we worked on really paid. I'm really proud of it. Is that fair, Julie? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think... Um- Going back to the rubber band rule is acknowledging everyone's got a different rubber band and saying, hey, I want to know what your snapping points are. What's going to make you break? Because I don't want you to leave. <laughs> right. And I know you have them. Yes. Please don't keep saying yes when I know that yeah. you have them. So let's, let's, and here are mine. Here are mine. Yeah, well, Here's what's going to make me break too. So how do we I tell you what, acknowledge that? Yeah. As a leader though, I would never want to, get any of my employees to a point or customers to a point where they even come close to snapping. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is not cool. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need to understand and help them understand that I know you have them. So let's talk about it. And because sometimes people don't even, they leave places and they're like, that place was toxic, but they didn't realize that they had these breaking points that they didn't articulate before. Well, and the other thing I can think of too is that, uh, you know, uh, people have different, different breaking points at different times in their mm-hmm. lives, yeah. depending on what's mm-hmm. going on in their personal life to look at me, right? Mm-hmm. That was an example, right? So, um, unfortunately, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. It's very interesting. Uh, you know, when I, I do a lot of these podcasts, uh, some of them are super interesting. Some of, some of them are a little bit more mundane. This one was very interesting and uh, it was fun. I, I learned a lot. Uh, I'd like to thank so much, uh, Julie uh, Pham from uh, Curiosity Base for coming on today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. You know, the pod, Nonprofit MBA podcast is the top 1% of podcasts in the nonprofit sector. And we have so many people who really, really are learning a lot. And I have great guests like Julie on it. 
Um, so please spread the word. Let everybody know if you like today's podcast or the any other ones, please give us a five-star review. It really helps us. And also, if you're looking for a line of credit uh, for your nonprofit, please feel free to visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Julie, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? I'm very active on LinkedIn, so please find me there. You can also go to curiositybase, that's B-A-S-E-D.com, uh, and you can find me there as well. And the book, uh, where would, I, would they, people get the book? Amazon, and you can also go to, you can also get it at Barnes & Noble and any other bookstores as well. So you would look up your last name, uh, Pham, P-H-A-M? Yes, but you can also just look up Seven Forms of Respect. and Seven Forms of Respect, yeah. It sounds like a good book to pick up. I I think it would be a good read. And we have a lot of freebies on the site as well, too. Free quiz, mini book, digital course. So check those out. And uh, Julie, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Stephen. So I end every podcast the same way, and this really is a the uh, apropos to what we talked about today. Um, I want to thank everybody out there for really doing the hard work and the heavy lifting of trying to make this world a better place. It's a big job, and you guys are out there every single day trying to do your part. I know that Julie and I, in our own way, we try to do ours, but you guys are out there all the time. And I thank you for that. We certainly need it. Um, But I just want to remind you that you're no good to your family, your friends, your employees, yourself, if you don't take care of yourself. And again, this has go goes back to the burnout syndrome, right? So make sure you're taking really good care of yourself because we need you. We need you to make this world a better place. And so we all know what that means. You know, sleep, exercise, diet, reflection, you know, whatever works for you, everybody's different. So please consider that. Again, thank you for listening to the Nonprofit MBA podcast. And I hope everybody has a fantastic day. 